0: Hey, good morning. <clears throat> so uh, about three weeks ago, I received a phone call from a buddy of mine. His name's Steve. Now, uh, Steve lives down in Fort Myers. Uh, he's a senior pastor of a church down there. Uh, I met Steve about 20 years ago when I hired him to work with me in a church in Dallas. And we've stayed friends. Uh, we've stayed connected ever since that time. And uh, he moved down there to lead a church a year before COVID broke out. And so he calls me up and we're catching up and then he's, he's like, hey, can I ask you some more questions? And so, hey, how do you guys handle, you know, X, Y, Z, that kind of thing. And before he hangs up, he tells me that we have a mutual friend who's going to be in town the following week. And he asks, hey, would you like to join me a week from Tuesday and we're going to take him out fishing. He tells me he has a boat captain from his church lined up and uh, that's going to take him out. So I thought about it. I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds like fun. I'll, I'll jump on board that. Now the day that we were supposed to meet, he texts me, uh, and I get this text from Steve. It says this: "Plan on meeting tomorrow about 7:40 at my house. Blah blah blah. Bring snacks, cooler, a few beverages. Blah blah blah. Sna- blah blah." Gets to this point. This is the one that stood out for me: "Bring your own fishing gear." To which I was like, "Oh boy." <laughs> like, I don't have fishing gear. I've lived here 17 years. I've been fishing. Three times. And typically, when I've gone, I've gone with people who knew what they were doing and who had plenty of extra gear. So I thought, oh man, I, I'm stuck. I can't back out of this now. I, I got to figure out where I'm going to get some gear. In fact, my son had just mocked me the night before saying, We're the least Florida family that he knows that lives in Florida. So I thought, I'll show him. I'll buy some gear so I can point to it in the garage and be like, Look, we got a fishing rod. We're good. So on my lunch break, I head to Bass Pro. Now, I've also only been to this store three times in my life, and the other two besides this journey were to buy a gift for my son-in-law for Christmas and for his birthday. Let's just say this store is not high on the Icom list of places to go and visit. When I walk in, I realize right away I'm in trouble. Like I have no idea what I'm gonna grab. There are a ton of options sitting there. I'm feeling a little out of my element. And then I remember there's two students from college and career that work there. And so I find one of them and his name is Marlon. So I think, I'm, this, is, this will be good, we're saved. I find him and I ask him for help and he goes, listen Tom, <laughs> I know my name's Marlon and I know I work at Bass Pro and I've been working here you know, for a long time, but I don't fish so I can't help you. And he points over to the fishing department and goes, that guy knows what he's doing, he's super nice, he can help you. So I walk over and I decide honesty is the best policy, so I, I'm not even gonna pretend. And I looked up at him, I go, listen, I don't fish. I don't know what I'm doing, but apparently, I'm gonna go meet some friends on a boat and I need some kind of gear. And he goes, what are you trying to catch? And I'm like, I feel like we discovered this, fish. Like, <laughs> What are you talking about? What am I trying to catch? Now, to be fair, I don't eat fish. I don't know what different kinds of fish are. I never go fishing. I know to avoid the jellyfish at the beach. That's about it as far as fishing for me. So I say, you know, I think we're going into the intercoastal, uh, and so uh, that's about all I got. And he's like, well, great. How much are you looking to spend? So I give him a range. I say, I can go between here and here, and this is what I'm looking for. And he, he says this back to me, I can hook you up. And I'm like, okay, come on. So he pulls out this rod and reel combo, and I look at it you know, as if I am have any kind of knowledge. I'm like, looks, that looks great. And then I go, hey, uh, I probably need fishing line too, thinking, man, I noticed that. That's pretty cool that I actually picked that out. And then he says, what kind of line do you want? (laughs) I don't know. So he sees the look in my eyes, and he just throws some in the basket. And so I ask him, how do I get this on the reel? (laughs) And to which he says, don't worry, I'll do it for you before you leave the store. And I was like, yes. I tell him we're using pinfish and shrimp for bait. So he pulls out some hooks, and then he grabs a leader. To which I ask, why do I need a leader if I got a line? And he explains that it's a whole thing. <laughs> I ask him how to attach the leader to the line and the leader to the hook. So he tells me, hey, when you get home tonight, go up on YouTube and look up how to tie a unit knot. Now, impressively, he gets me within 30 cents of my max price, which I don't know if they play prices right there, but I thought that was pretty, pretty golden. As I check out, they ask me if I have a license, and so I pull out my Florida driver's license. (laughs) They then point to the counter where I'm supposed to buy a fishing license. The lady behind the counter asked if I wanna add snook to it for a little extra cost, to which I replied, no, I think we're just going fishing. (laughs) She stops typing and looks at me and says, well, everyone has a dream. I find out the next day on the boat that snook is actually a type of fish. (laughs) Later that night at 9 p.m., I pull up on YouTube and I'm watching this video on how to tie a uni Now, I was able to master it. I got the leader hooked up to the line and then the leader hooked up to the hook and I had it all set and I was ready to go. The next morning, I wake up nice and early and I drive down to Steve's house in Fort Myers. He opens his garage door and he comes walking out with six rod and reels. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, I didn't need to get my own gear, like you have plenty. But then he starts asking me questions about like the other fishing stuff and what we should take with us and I realize he doesn't know much more than I do. And we're kind of in trouble. turns out our captain is not really a fisherman, it's just a really nice guy with a boat club membership. It also turns out, of the eight of us on the boat, I'm not really that far behind everyone else when it comes to fishing. I pull out my rod and reel when we land at our first destination and I try to cast the thing and it's not working, which was kind of a bummer for me. It turns out the line is supposed to go on the outside of this thing called the line roller, who knew? Anyway, as I'm trying to figure out how to get it out there, I realize I gotta cut my uni to make it go outside the line reeler, and then redo the uni Not having YouTube, surprisingly, I remembered how to do it from the night before, and so I was able to hook it back in. All right, any guesses in the eight hours of fishing how many fish I caught? Well, here's a picture of me and all my fish. <laughs> Now, there's no one in this room that's surprised about that, right? And honestly, it's totally how I expected to go once I realized that everyone else in the boat had the same amount of experience. It was pretty much the blind leading the blind. Like, they were asking me my opinion. Do you think we should cast over here? What bait do you think we should use here? And I'm like, seriously? I didn't even know a snook was a fish before I got on the boat. Like, how am I going to help you? I was driving home that night, and I thought to myself, "You know what would have been great? Wouldn't it be great if we had had a guide on the boat? like someone who actually knew how to fish and could kind of give us some pointers, some instruction, someone who knew what they were doing? We have another student in college career. His name's Alex, and every time he talks about fishing and describes it to me, it sounds magical. Like he's always talking about like, okay, so I was out this night and I used this kind of bait, and I was over here and I got there this time. I'm like, dude, how do you know that stuff, right? And he's like, I've been doing it forever. What are you talking about? So I asked him, are you successful every time you fish? And he said, no, but I'm successful more times than I'm not. I've learned over time what works and what doesn't work. It made me kind of think, too, about the process of the journey of becoming a believer in Jesus. When new or young believers first start out following Jesus, So they get frustrated, wondering if they're doing it right, discouraged from their failures or their struggles with sin, wondering if they're going to ever get better at following Jesus. Well, my hope is that this passage that we're about to look at this morning would be an encouragement to you, whether you're just starting out in your walk with Jesus or you've been walking with him for a while. But to do that, let me just take a moment and pause here. And let's just pray and ask God to bless our time in his word. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the chance that we've had just to come to worship you. To remember uh, your sacrifice and what you did through communion. To be encouraged uh, by the young men and women who went on mission trips this summer and saw your hand move. God as we look into your word this morning as we pull up onto this passage here in 1 John. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would use it to encourage us as we follow you. That you would challenge us, that you would uh, we give you free reign to tap on our hearts so that we can hear the things with, that we need to hear this morning. It's in your precious and holy name. That we pray these things, Jesus. Amen. So 1 John chapter 5. Uh, John is actually going to be our guide. He's going to get in the boat with us. Uh, He's going to come along and he's going to answer this question of, am I doing this right? Am I saved? Can I know that for sure? Are there marks on me or are there marks in my life that identify me as a part of God's family? Now, these next few verses are meant to be an encouragement uh, for us, a summary for us to look at and to see that God is working in your life and that you're moving in the right direction. Because here's what we're going to find out. Faith is not just a one-time action. In fact, faith is a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong journey, one that continues, Look at verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Uh, John states that all who believe that Jesus is the Christ, uh, the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Savior, uh, they have been born of God. That phrase is uh, in the past tense, have been or has been. This belief requirement, uh, believing specifically that Jesus has come in the flesh, Uh, that he's God's son, that he is the savior of the world, uh, that his life, his death, his resurrection, that that gives us victory, that that gives us an ability to have a relationship with God. Now, John is not just saying there's a bunch of facts that you need to know to be true, be able to quote them as a requirement for becoming a child of God. In fact, John's not even trying to show here how a person experiences new birth or how a person becomes a Christian, but rather his aim here is to give evidence to a person who stands in a continuing relationship with God, where they can look at and say, man, I still have faith. Like, Long ago in my life, I came to the saving knowledge and and faith in Jesus. And as I've journeyed with him, I can now look in my life and go, man, I still have faith in Jesus. And and we can look at that and realize we're still following. And John says, man, that's evidence that you are a child of God. That's evidence that you uh, are a new creation, that you've been regenerated, that, that there is a change that has taken place, that that faith has sustained over time. And so this evidence that John points us to is we are to have true faith in Jesus. The word believes here is a perfect tense, which suggests an action that has happened in the past, but it results in a present movement today. So we've become a Christian, but we continually live out our faith in Christ. Uh, It's the difference of a call to faith or a conversion and a life of faith. They're different things, but they're related together. Jesus is not inviting us or calling us just to say a prayer and check it off the list. He's calling us to surrender our lives and to find more joy than we ever thought possible. Think of salvation as less of like the Sunday school test. You know, who died for your sins? Uh, Jesus? Yeah, congratulations. Think of it more as a journey that begins Uh, with salvation. And John is saying, if you are down the road in this journey and you still have faith in Jesus, well, that's a pretty good indicator. That's a pretty good mark that there's been regeneration, that there's been new birth birth that's taken place in you. So let's jump back into John chapter 5, verse verse 1, and ask the question, what does this life of faith look like? What results do we see in our life as we travel in faith? says this, everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. In other words, when I walk in faith, my love for God and for people grows. It deepens. These two are interrelated, faith and love, especially in John's writings. And here they're combined without a break in thought. For John, true faith leads to love for God and love for people. John declares that the believer will not only love God, but will love his children, will care about their good. Verse 2, by this, we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. When we love God, we keep his commandments, which, by the way, involves loving others. Therefore, love of God and love for others is interrelated. And following Jesus. Each one feeds and strengthens the other. The love for God is the basis for any and other manifestation of love. But when I love my brother and sister in brotherly love, the reverse, the, that demonstrates that I have a love for God. That is kind of evidence that is in my life that there's change that's taken place. Verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Now, obedience is not only the outcome of loving God, it's part of it. Love for God isn't this emotional one-time experience, but it becomes a commitment that we continue. If you remember, when Jesus was asked about the commandments in the New Testament and the Gospels, what did he say? In Matthew, he says this, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So he's saying, hey, if I could sum up the Old Testament law for you, love God, right? And then love your neighbor. All the laws are kind of written in such a way to allow us to to move us to do that. And so when John says here in chapter 5, love God and love other believers, he's referring back to Jesus' command here. This is the litmus test of faith, that it's a life that, of faith that continually pushes us towards loving others. He says, listen, if you want to know if you love God, it's pretty easy. Are you obeying him? Do you love the people around you? Well, if yes, well, then you know there's evidence in your life that points to the fact that there's been this regeneration, that there's been this new life that has taken place. Notice, it's not we do those things to attain the favor of God. We've been changed, and so we walk in those things. Does that make sense? John is quick to challenge his follower again and again with encouragement uh, to obey the command to love, regardless of how they feel. Now, there are those that choose to love God, but have to also love their brothers and sisters. It can't be like, well, I love that guy, I love that person, I love that person, we're gonna skip over that person, and I'm gonna go here, and I love. No, we're, we're growing in love for each other. Sometimes we think it's a risk to be so generous with the way in which we love each other. I mean, we can go through the list and be like, okay, that's easy, ooh, this person's hard, let's not talk about them." But when we consider the kind of love that God demonstrated and bestowed upon us, and that is what we walk into, it becomes a little easier. The other day, my wife Nicole was driving home in our 10-year-old Mazda CX-9 when all of a sudden there was a very loud ding! And uh, having driven driven that car a little bit, when one of the indicator lights come on, it is the loudest thing that like, you could have your radio up to max volume. Like when my kids are in the car, they could still hear the ding. Like it is loud when it pops on and it kind of freaks you out. You think that the car is about to disintegrate in this moment or something uh, horrible is going on, but it turns out one of the indicator lights came on. And looking down, she notices something was off, and sure enough, she sees this light that pops on, and it's this one right here. It's the low uh, tire pressure uh, light, and so basically, it's not a full-fledged emergency at this point. Uh, the nice thing is, it's in yellow there, so it's like, hey, you gotta attend to this. Or orange, it's not red, which is like pull over immediately, kind of you know check engine light or anything like that. But you should notice this. You should do something about this. It's an easy fix, an easy adjustment. Now here's the Kind of the backstory about my wife, uh, she comes from a tire family, that sounds weird, right? Uh, her dad sold tires all his life, her brother sells tires all, all his life. So the fact that my low tire pressure on a car that I own went on is kind of a travesty to her, right? Because she's like, how could you not be attuned to this, and be attentive to this, how, did, how, did you, how would you not know? Because that's the example that's been set for her. To be honest, before I met Nicole, I would have totally ignored this and just kept driving. I mean, if it's gonna go out, it's gonna go out. Someday I'll pull over and I'll check it out. Uh, but instead, when she got home, she handed me the keys and was like, you're going to need to attend to this, and I was like, oh, it's a very easy fix. I've, I've learned it's very simple. You just go to the gas station, and depending on the gas station you go to, it could be free to use the pump, wah, wah, or it could cost money uh, with some of the others, up to like two bucks as you charge that thing up, but you can take care of it relatively easy, but the indicator light kind of tells you something is off. You should check into this. You should be aware. Hey, heads up, kind of a moment there. And as I was filling up the tire with air, I thought, wouldn't it be great if life with Jesus came with that kind of dashboard? Where there was like an indicator light that just kind of popped on, and, and, you know, in your arm was like, ding! And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with this one, yeah. Now, <clears throat> one that just said, you're just getting off track. You're just missing it by a little bit. You should probably take a second. I believe the second half of verse three gives us one, one that we can pay attention to, that we can be attuned to. It says this, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. Take a look at that word. It's barus, and it basically means grievous, heavy or weighty. We get phrases like, the weight of the world is on your shoulders, or you need to take the weight off your chest. And basically, when we say those kind of things, we're talking about there is pressure, there is stress, there is something that just feels like it's weighing us down, and we just need to be released from that. Uh, The indicator here, the indicator light here, becomes if I find when God is speaking to me, when God is encouraging me to move in a certain way or to serve a certain person, and I find that burdensome, that's a warning light. That's an indicator that I might be getting off track. Because the truth is, obedience becomes easier as I walk in faith. It doesn't mean that God's laws are not exacting or demanding, but it rather it means that God's laws are not oppressive or crushing. They're not a terrible weight that we can't bear. Love prompted obedience isn't a crushing burden that's going to wear you out or exhaust your strength or destroy your sense of freedom in Christ. In fact, in Matthew, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees because to the law, they added all sorts of extra rules which became a weight, a burden uh, that they put on other people's shoulders. Jesus doesn't weigh his people down with meaningless laws that do not affect our hearts. But if we're struggling here, this becomes an indicator, a notice that the lights are on in my dashboard. Here's where I find that happening in my life. When I'm tired. Uh, When I'm stressed. When when I'm worried. Uh, When I'm leaning towards or entertaining the idea of sin. And it's always in those moments that God brings someone across my path with some sort of need. And I just kind of think, Really, God? This guy? Right now? This phone call that i got to return? This need? And it's one of those things, especially in busyness, where it kind of, uh, I can be very involved in ministry and things going on and, 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 and just moving at a fast pace, and then there's someone that kind of taps you and is like, hey, man, can I talk to you for a bit? And you're like, no. Right? But that moment, but you know that God is just, just like going, hey, I'm putting this guy in front of you for a reason. I need you to speak truth to him, to love him that way, to pray with him, to talk to him. And it's that moment where you're like, oh, I feel like this is a huge burden. For me, those are indicators that I've been moving too fast, that I've kind of gotten off track, that I've kind of missing the opportunities that God is putting into my life. You guys know those moments, right? Where you just know he's put someone on your path that you're supposed to encourage, that you're supposed to talk to, that you're supposed to breathe life into and you're like, "Uh, not now. Those aren't chance moments. For me, those are an indicator that I either need to slow down, I need to turn away from where I was headed, or I need to hand over what I was worried about. When you sense those moments in your life, what do you do? Do you just keep driving? And ignore that tire. One thing I've learned about being in the tire family is that apparently, if you keep driving, you could ruin the tire. And if you're going 60 to 80 miles an hour and you get a flat tire, it's a different thing than just filling it up a little bit at the gas station and attending to it right then and there. The same can be true with our life as we're following Christ. When these lights come on, when these warnings come on, and we just ignore them and keep running, eventually a blowout's coming. Here's the encouragement. These lights come on for you. Take a breath. Take a moment. Take some time to connect with God. Uh, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, whether it's reading his word. Whether it's listening to praise music. Taking a moment to refocus. Uh, it might be going fishing. Who knows? Uh, for me, honestly, it's, uh, I do a four-mile loop around my neighborhood. And if you see me without the headphones in and Talking to myself, uh, I'm typically praying. You don't have to worry. I'm just walking and praying. And that for me is that moment of kind of reconnecting and centering and going, All right, Lord, I just got to lay the things that I'm struggling with at your feet so that I can get this light to turn off. But attend to it. Ask Him to help you value what He values. Now, in the beginning of my walk with Jesus, I might have summarized what it means to be a follower with Jesus with this statement. Just do everything that's not fun. If it's fun, you probably can't do it, so you probably shouldn't. Now, as I grew and as I matured in my walk with Jesus, I realized I had it completely wrong. Because I realized there's no better adventure. There's no better purpose. There's no better meaning than I could find than to obey him. Why? Well, because obedience leads to victory. You see, when I walk in faith, I walk in victory. I walk in victory. Verse 4 says this, Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. This must mean that there's forces in the world that work to get us to not love God, to not love each other. What are those forces? Well, John talks about them earlier in chapter 2, verse 16. He says, The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, or the pride in our possessions. Be summed up like this We covet what we don't have, and that occupies our time and our mind. Or we take pride in what we do have, and that occupies our time and our mind. And it's the world, this coveting and this pride, that hinders our obedience to God's commandments and what makes them seem so weighty. You see, The truth is everyone who's been born of God, we've been given, uh, we've been able to keep God's commandments because we've been given power by God to overcome the negative influence that would seek to prevent obedience. John uses the present tense here, which indicates that believers are currently experiencing this victory. This is not just a future thought of heaven. This is not just one day we will have victory, although one day we will have victory, right? This is a present opportunity for us to walk in victory. Notice verse 5, it says this Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? He comes back to the beginning, he comes back to faith, to belief. Now, sometimes we feel like this passage might be an exam for us or we look at our Christian walk as kind of this to-do list or test or exam to, to ace, right? And we think, okay, uh, we look at our lives and we examine and go, do I still have faith in Jesus? Okay, yeah, check. I, I, I got that. Uh, Am I loving others? Well, yeah, pretty much. If we ignore that guy over there, um, I'm totally, I, I got that one going. Uh, Am I walking in obedience to him? I mean, mostly, more than not, yeah, sure, walk in obedience. Is it easy? Ooh, well, n- no, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And we're like, oh, looks like you got an F, you failed, right? It's, it's, it's like the fruit of the Spirit. You don't get the fruit of the Spirit by concentrating on the fruit. You get the fruit of the Spirit by walking with the Spirit. As a believer, it's not a test that we take, it's not a check-off list that we check off, it's a journey that we're on. And John is saying this, what does that look like? What does it look like exhibited in our lives on a daily basis as we follow Jesus? You see, when we walk in faith, it produces love, which is a love for God and a love for others, which leads us towards obedience. When I pursue faith and I pursue love, it produces obedience, which this passage teaches gives us victory, victory over the world. We can live with a different scorecard. It's not about the possessions we have or don't have. It's about aligning our lives, our love, our actions with the things that God cares about. This becomes victory, which, get this, comes back around and encourages us in our faith and strengthens our faith when our faith continues to be strengthened, well, it changes our love. It allows us to love people deeper, uh, the brothers and sisters that we commune with. It allows us to continue to walk in obedience, which continues to give us victory, which continues to build our faith. It's a cycle. Walking in faith is a cycle that moves us towards maturity. This is going to sound weird for those of you who are new on this journey, and it'll probably make sense for those of you who have been walking with Jesus for a while, but in a very real way, you you are in the process of becoming who you already are. You are in the process of becoming who you already are. This is what it means to walk in faith. In other words, at one point I started my journey with Jesus and I became a new creation. I, 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 uh, my old life has gone and my new life has come in and he has changed me from the inside out. He has downloaded everything into my life that I need for living and for following him. Now I get to walk in that. And as I continue in faith, I find that now I have a love for people that maybe I didn't have a love for anymore. My brothers and sisters before, uh, my brothers and sisters who love Jesus with me, who are God's sons. And as I walk in that love, I find that it's easy to be obedient to the commands to love one another. I find that that becomes easier to happen, which in turn gives me victory which means I don't have to be stuck in the world's accounting system. I have a new one that I'm walking in, which then encourages my faith, which then allows me to love deeper. And I see that love growing for those that are around me and and with me and on this journey. And, And then I see that I'm obedient again, and I get victory. And I look, and I'm in a very different place than when I started. I look a little bit differently, but I'm in the process of becoming who God says I am. Does that make sense? He has given me all these tools and resources. I have the opportunity to walk in it. So John, as our guide, hops in the boat and says, hey, take heart. Look at your life now. Look how you're loving people. Look how you're following and trusting God. Look how you're obeying him. Look at the victory that he's given. Look how it's different than when you started. Take heart. Be encouraged that he has been walking with you down this path, and there is a change that's been taking place in you. Now, for some of us in this room, we're starting on this part of the journey, and you're like me in Bass Pro, and you're going, uh, I got a Bible, and I really, I'm not sure how to move forward in this, and I just, I don't know what to do. I would love someone who could help me, who could encourage me, who could be my guide in that. And here's my encouragement to you. Look down the path a little bit, and look at a believer that has been walking with Jesus for a while, whose life you're like, man, that lady, she loves she loves Jesus. I can see it in her. I'd love to have that. That man, man, I can tell that he cares about Jesus because I'm seeing him love people. I'm seeing him be obedient. I'm seeing him talk about his faith. I'm seeing him have victory and invite them to be a part of your life. On the same token, if you've been walking and you, can, you, can, you know that you know that there has been a change taking place in you from when you first started following Jesus, you've grown in this maturity, you've grown in this cycle of faith, and you look down and you're like, oh, look at that guy, he can't even tie a You knot, he doesn't know what's going on. And Don't look back at it like that way, look back and go, man, how can I come back there and encourage that person? How can I challenge that person? How can I breathe life into that person? How can I help them along in the journey? What we call that around here is discipleship. And if you are here or you are over here, man, we would love to connect you with each other. If you don't know anyone in in, in any of those realms, we would love to help you connect in that. In fact, you can stop by the guest services and they would love to connect you with that. But this process meant to be an encouragement to us to be able to look at and see markers in our lives that go, oh, I can be assured, I'm following Jesus. There's change that's been taking place in me. I'm a new creation. I'm not perfect, but I am walking the path of faith and he is changing me as I walk. Can I pray for us? Father God, I just thank you so much for having John write down these words. For us to be able to look at and to examine and to be encouraged as we walk with you. Lord, as we're becoming who we already are. I pray for my brothers and sisters that might be in this moment in their journey discouraged. Overwhelmed. Struggling to follow you. God, I pray that through this passage that you would encourage them, that you would bring people into their life to breathe life into them and to say, come on, keep going. You got this. Father, I just thank you for the encouragement that this has been in my own life and just reading and studying it this week. Thank you, God, for walking with us in this journey and helping us to grow and change. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. 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 You are dismissed. We will see you next week. Thanks for joining us.